Hello, just before I start this week's podcast, I want to let you know about something. Now, some of you may listen to my podcast and think, yes, Natasha, I completely understand what you're saying. Thank you so much for the information. I'm now going to implement it. But there will be some of you who think, actually, Natasha, I really need a helping hand. I need to ask you questions so I can get moving forward. And that's where I'm here to help. This week, I am opening the doors to the members club so that you can come and join me and work with me directly. If you want someone there to be on your team to help you with your strategy and always come up with ideas based upon what you're doing right now to keep you moving forward, then the members club is for you. I want to help you. And yes, it is working with me directly. Seriously, one-to-ones are with me. So if you want to join the members club, head on over to www.ncrealestatemembersclub.com. Click the link and join. Doors are only open until midnight on Thursday, the 21st of May. So you're going to need to act quickly. Also, if you're listening to this and maybe you're an APC candidate or you'd like some extra CPD training, then I also have a business membership for you. To get access to that, head to www.ncrealestatemembersclub.com forward slash business. Both of these links will go in the show notes. Go and click and join now. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in the members club. Welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host and founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you haven't got my master spreadsheet freebie yet, you are going to want to have it because this is where you control your whole property portfolio from. It's going to have everything, including your mortgage details, your contractor details. Essentially, once you've got that filled out, it's a four-click process to get from having all of that information to outsourcing it to your VA or your managing agent or however you want to do it. But having that one spreadsheet filled out is absolutely going to change your life. It is how I manage my property portfolio from anywhere in the world. That plus a Skype phone line, which has my London number on it and my MacBook. That is it. So if you want to get that spreadsheet, head to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash master spreadsheet. The link is in the show notes below. So go get it. Today, I am so excited. I have got Aaron Deer on the podcast with me today. Aaron is a property investor, health and fitness expert, and mental health advocate. He has some incredible outlooks on life in terms of mindset, overcoming mental health challenges, and is the host of the Find Your Voice podcast. Hi, Aaron. How are you doing? You okay? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. And I just made a note here that I need that spreadsheet that you just mentioned as well. That sounds absolutely awesome. <laughs> yes, go get it. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking a lot around property investment. We'll get started there and then we're going to be jumping into mental health, which I know mm-hmm. you want to have the conversation about. And I am always open for a conversation on mental health and property investment. It's something that is kind of guided my career and it's things that I have to work on daily so I'm hoping you can give us some really really good tips but to start off with how did you get started in property and what's your strategy? Sure so I actually started in property twice so I think I was 25 a long time ago uh, when I actually brought my first property it was a buy to let Um, didn't really know much about property other than I had a bit of money my mom thought it was a good idea. I obviously agree with anything my mom says. So we ended up buying this buy to let locally. It was actually from a motivated seller, which again, I knew nothing about. And that was kind of it. That was my uh, introduction to property. Just put a tenant in there and left it and thought, that's fine. And I'll carry on working till 65 as a project manager in London. And then about four years ago, I actually went into it full time. Mm-hmm. And I went into it full time, actually off the back of adversity. So not to make this um, an emotional podcast or anything, but 
my, my uncle passed away and I sat with my cousin at his funeral who is a landlord of amazing portfolio like his portfolio is incredible and I had no idea I had no idea he was a, a landlord I had no idea he was in property but he he taught me about time freedom in terms of he was able to spend the last six months of my uncle's life with him and he had that flexibility to really spend time with him and it just opened my eyes because here I was thinking I was a smart one in the family I had the degree I had the masters I had the diplomas yet I was happily going to work till 65 and he had just shown me something um like another possibility basically so mm -hmm. i thought this is interesting i did what most people do and i went and spent like thirteen thousand pounds on a course literally nothing left on my debit card and you know i was promised that i'm going to be so successful and have the biggest portfolio in the world so i, I went down that route and i just really went full time into it mm -hmm. um in terms of strategy wise I, when I started this game, I had a certain amount of money from working in London and I've been working since I was about 15 that I started very small. So I went up to Stoke where the houses are a lot cheaper than where I am in, in Birmingham. And I tried to flip a property initially. My God, that was like the worst property in the world. And I had to like refurb it three times. But what I was doing was every time I was making mistakes is I was learning from it. So mm -hmm. then I went onto a bigger project. And then I went on to HMOs, uh, we do service accommodation. And more recently now, like four years in, we've got a commercial conversion mm -hmm. and we're doing planning for land. And we just signed an option on 14 units of a land development. So it looks like I'm doing the big stuff now, but it really has come from literally starting with like the small stuff, starting with my own money initially. Whereas now in the last two or three deals, we've started to get investors to really fund our deals. Oh, how are you faring at the moment with COVID-19 and in terms of the property stuff in terms of the property stuff we'll start there before we yeah absolutely absolutely so one of my tenants isn't paying me which which is always a delight as they do um i think they read like one line from the government description saying that apparently they don't need to pay i'm not sure what line that is but in terms of generally like the portfolio is fine but the site that we were doing we were five weeks away from completion and we had an offer for 750 on it which was brilliant it was like such an amazing return um luckily the buyer is still happy to wait because obviously nobody can really do anything mm -hmm. but it's just that frustration of we needed to sell or refinance that site in order to move forward to the 14 units that we're doing um but again you know not without sounding any cliche or anything the most important thing is that we all just come out of this with hopefully like with our sanity with like less people dying and stuff and i know you know not to make it again morbid or anything but that's the most important thing but it is frustrating in terms of it was my year where i was like finally going to make some money from property this is finally working we have two great deals but yeah it's a frustration of workers not wanting to come in some have been furloughed but um we've managed to get two people out actually last tuesday um so we're doing like two people and they just spread across the site across mm -hmm. the 10 flats um and just that's it really how about yourself how are you finding that yeah it was good i so I have a development going on in New Jersey at the moment, which wow. is just across from from uh, central Manhattan. So we are mm -hmm. 17 minutes on the bus from Times Square. Wow. We've got hoarding up and mm -hmm. inside we have got contractors working but at a social distance. For those of you who are not aware of the US market, we're in a bit of a situation where if people go jobless, they don't get healthcare. Wow. Right. So in a bid to try and keep our contractors going and you have to give them work right because otherwise they don't get health care their family don't have health care so that's like the catch 22 mm. situation where yes we we would more than happily stop but in order to keep our contractors safe we have to allow them to work they have all the necessary ppe they are staying at a distance. So we have one day the, the plumber will go in, he's put all the gas in, we're then going to have our electrics done. And then hopefully what we're what we're kind of hoping for is because Andrew Cuomo has now said that on the 15th of May, they might start opening up construction and give us guidelines around that. We then hope we can get in and get all of our um, structure and everything yeah. kind of built out from there. It's not that we're trying to go against of course it's kind of like well that's the only way that we support our contractors so absolutely that's why we're still moving forward it's not rushed we don't have any interest to, any extra interest to pay until the end of the year so it, it, that doesn't matter mm -hmm. um serviced accommodation is now turned into long-term lets and i've been helping out local uh, university students who weren't able to get home when the university shut 
so actually it's just we're doing things very differently yeah and yeah as long as we're i can help and we can get things moving forward touch wood as of today we've i've not had any void period which is fantastic incredible fantastic so it's it was just a mindset shift and it was just thinking okay well how can i help not i need to make huge amounts of money from this yeah absolutely and and that's something that i really like because a lot of people have done that um we have four service accommodations i'm not taking no credit for this by the way because my partner does everything and the first thing he did was just straight to the nhs just to help them Mm -hmm. so it's nice when people are doing that and we're not necessarily just thinking profit because this is like a crazy time where we just need to try and come out of it together and just try and help each other that's that's the that's the only thing I can think about right now as yeah. well. I mean, there's stuff where I can understand that people are are getting frustrated. There's all the tribunals now on hold. I mean, I had leasehold tribunal cases going through, which do mm. desperately need to be sorted because it's about leaks on roofs and getting properties repaired and maintained. But you know what? If we we'll get back to that after yeah. this period is over. Absolutely. All we can do. All we can do. So what I need to ask you, because you always come across so positive, so uplifting, so kind of things don't seem to stop you in your tracks. Even when you have adversity and bad times, you seem to be the person that keeps going. So what motivates you to get up in the morning and keep moving towards your goals? Sure. So I definitely have those days where mm. I'm bad. Uh, probably three hours ago, you would have probably caught me at the wrong time. <laughs> but in in all seriousness, like there, there's a few things that have happened in my life and I've been exposed to that have really shaped me into the person that I am today. So the first one is my siblings. So I'm very blessed to come from a loving family who foster children. So four of my siblings have come from the care system. Now, generally speaking, when you come from the care system, there, there is a lack of something like a lack of resource, for example. And these children have seen adversity like on a whole new level. Like I'm not talking about, I never got a bite for Christmas. I'm talking like really horrific stuff. So my, my younger siblings taught me more than I ever thought I would ever learn from, from children. So when I used to live with them, I recognized that I have the ability, for example, to have this conversation with you now or to drive my car tomorrow or to renovate a house or travel to New Jersey, for example. And they don't have that luxury um, because their life, they would doubt the, bad cards effectively they have learning difficulties their development is very very slow so when I look at my brothers Josh and Kyle I instantly feel like my heart bleeds for him but then at the same time I feel as their older brother I should try and do as much as I can because I have the capability and mm. I, I always live by control the controllables and I'm like yeah I want to feel sorry for myself some days which I absolutely do and, and I'm not saying I don't but they remind me every day that my life could have been so different. I could have been them. They could have been me. So that's definitely one of the things that um, I, I use as kind of motivation. The the second thing is my goals, as I'm sure like yourself and anyone listening to this podcast, we've all got huge goals and that goal can be anything. I'm not here to say your goal is less and more important than mine, for example, but my goals are always being about impact and service. It's what I've been taught from my parents. They both come from the NHS. My wife works for the NHS. I seem to only attract NHS people. Um, but I love that. And mm-hmm. it's come from a place of having an impact. And that's not just in the health and fitness, but also the mental space as well, the mental health side. So even me and my wife now, we've started a passion project, which we're so excited about because it's like we're going to try and create like a superfood blend to give people like that they can take on a daily basis that will just put the odds in their favor in terms of enhancing their health, which will help their physical health and their mental health. Um, so everything I do is like aligned to that. And when you have stuff for purpose, like the podcast, for example, it's so easy to wake up and just, just move forward because it's not about you. It's about maybe that one person who needs to hear that a grown man in his thirties is suffering with anxiety. So they don't feel out of place that mm-hmm. they don't feel that there's something wrong with them because I used to feel that I used to feel like, is there something wrong with me? Like I watch a show and like full transparency and if like say X Factor or American Idol or something like that. And if somebody's got through, I get wild up as if like I'm about to cry. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And especially when it first happened, cause I was like, this can't be normal, especially for a guy. Like mm-hmm. I understand if there's a sad scene or something, but I'm like just genuinely overwhelmed. And then I started to understand myself a lot more. But um, yeah, I, in terms of motivation and stuff, th- those are my main triggers, but I do have a crazy one for anyone out there. And this might not work is if you're really struggling, um, I call it morbid motivation. I wake up in the morning, I think of what's the worst that could happen. 
and it, it can be is like something bad happening to my my partner my wife or my brother or my mom and dad and instantly that that fuels something inside me to really get out of bed and like start working because this might be your last opportunity to give them everything that you've ever wanted to give them if that makes sense mm-hmm. so i have all these different ones that i would just think okay today i need to pull on this or today i need to pull on that but yeah i i'd like to i'm glad that you said that obviously i bring uh, positivity and stuff but it's not always like that you know we all have our demons and battles that we face but it's just about trying to overcome them and working to be one percent better each day oh yes i so get that and it's also the reflection isn't it you wake up you have a mm-hmm. bad day and you think oh my god i am handling things in the worst way possible yeah. and then it's the reflective moment on that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess for me that's something I have to work on a lot if I'm in not the right mindset I have Mm. coaches who then go back over that with me and we look at why did I react like that what is the teachable moment and so then you come back to it and you think okay now I can Mm. tell people this was this is actually how I should have I should have dealt with it um and this is how I deal with it going forward but if we don't have the bad times we don't know about the good times, do we? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Everything you said there, and I've got it written down somewhere in one of these boards here, is the word audit. So I'd say in the last four or five months, uh, me and my wife will sit down either at night in bed or just before we go into bed and we audit the day. So that is, did I lose my temper for no reason, for example? Or was I overly frustrated at a situation or a traffic jam, for example? And it could just be little things, but obviously we know each of them and we both work from home all the time. We notice that when somebody wasn't their best self and just that auditing process, I can't explain like how many times we we think we've had a perfect day, but we could have been so much better. I could have smiled maybe at, at the person when we were going for a walk yesterday. So I had my headphones in and I was really like, antisocial whereas the wife will say good morning to everyone whereas I'm a little bit more shy and mm-hmm. I was thinking actually no I should like next time I'll try and acknowledge people and just say hello so it's little things and that auditing process whether you've got a coach or you just do that with your loved ones I think is so so important so the next the next day you can just have a better impact and it could just be as simple as just smiling to someone like I can't explain mm-hmm. as a shy person I always run with my head down I walk with my head down when I started like lifting my eyes and just like giving a little smile to people, they would smile back and I just feel instantly so much happier. And I hope I brought them some level of happiness as well yeah. in that. Such an amazing idea. I find that mm. really hard at the moment because we have to go out wearing full face masks. Right. And that makes me feel shy. So I mm. know what you mean when you have you look at people and you at least smile from your eyes or, yeah. you know, it makes yeah, absolutely. a difference. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested in having a conversation around mental health and being in the property investment industry. Whilst it might not necessarily be the cause of mental health challenges, there are certainly detrimental factors, loneliness, losing money, difficult people, challenges that come back to haunt you. How have you (laughs) coped with that? Wow. In that moment, probably not well, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. But again, this, the self-awareness side and the self-reflection, I'd like to think I, I managed it quite well. Um, so yeah, everything you just mentioned there, I can 100% relate in terms of the loneliness, people, the challenges, the projects. Do not come into this game thinking it's going to be really, really easy. But um, yeah, just to answer your question, I think the first thing is a self-awareness exercise that I always play um, and just using my resources around me. So recognizing that, I'm very, very fortunate. I have friends, lifelong friends, and quite a few of them that I can just call and I can have that conversation with. Because one of the things, especially with mental health, or if you're struggling, even in property, it's having the ability to just call someone and say, you know what, I'm having a really, really bad day. Mm -hmm. And they might not necessarily need to know the answer. So if you're on the other side of the phone, just listen. Sometimes like listening is like the greatest thing to know somebody's there. Um, That that's really helped me. Um, So that's kind of been like my therapy, I suppose. The second is when I make mistakes, I make sure I don't make them mistakes again because it costs a hell of a lot of money. And when I started up in Stoke and I was using my own money, it was all I had. And yeah. that thought of, if I lose this again, like that's it for me. I need to go back to 15. I need to work another 15 years and then start again. And I can't afford to do that. So you have to really look at it. And it's quite difficult because when you look at it, you have to take accountability for everything because you've made all of those choices. You've shaken those JV agreement hands. You've accepted that builder to come in without the contract. I've done all this crazy stuff and I'm like, that's all I knew. So then all you can do from there is really just try and be better the next time and just try and improve from that. 
Um, and then the third way is while this is going on, it's very easy to feel guilty uh, or beat yourself up or think, you know, I'm a failure or I, I should, I, sh I should be better, for example, but I've always tried to do like self-love and I know self-love is like a cliche now, but I've always tried to have at least two hours to an hour a day. I mean, one hour is like 4% of the day. We should all have 4% of the day to exercise, to journal, to meditate, to, to do the things you love and maybe avoid the things you don't like. So just listen to music, for example, and just completely chill out. So that's kind of what I do as well. So I think collectively, like doing those three things really, really helps. Um, and now, when, like I said um, to you prior to recording the show, like my property journey now is moving nicely. Hopefully, you know, we all come out of this safe and well, but everything's finally moving on. And I'm grateful, so grateful for those lessons. But yeah, in the midst of it, I'm just thinking, not again, Aaron. Like how many times do I have to keep building resilience or learning mistakes? But then this is why I'm so against having that like experienced investor. I'm just like, I'm just a property investor. I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm not an expert in this. Um, do not call me an expert because tomorrow something will go wrong and it'd be a new challenge for me that I have mm -hmm. to figure out. Mm -hmm. Well, we all do it. We all do it. I, there's times where you, <laughs> you stand there. I, I remember I had a bridging deal go really badly wrong and I thought I'd got myself out of it. And then the, br mm -hmm. the bridging lender decided to sue me. And wow. I remember being on the side of the Thames and no one being around and just, sh just yelling shit yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah, that yeah, was one I of the, the low wow. moments mm. and you look back on it now and you realize that you get through it right absolutely but my gosh in the situation it can feel like your world is just mm. collapsing because that could absolutely ruin yeah. you but looking back mm. it's never going to ruin me of course yeah but at the time my gosh like it's just a bigger challenge and a bigger challenge and a mm. bigger challenge right absolutely if i if i can just add to that if i may because i know that feeling like i've not been by a canal but i've just been like ready to tear my hair out and like i've had panic attacks as a, as yes. a result of it with my anxiety it's like the worst feeling um there's a there's a great book and hopefully people can check this book out it's by dale carnegie and it's called how to stop worrying and start living and he mentions something in there which is um, a game actually another game that me and my wife play we don't play exciting games like monopoly or scrabble we tend to play like <laughs> these mindset games but, but this game is like fantastic and it's called what's the worst that could happen. So especially for the last six months to year where I've really got on top of my mental health and stuff. It's for example, the bridging lender is going to sue me. What's the actual worst that can happen, but start it like really being like 0.0001% chance. For example, I might die. Now the chances of him suing you and you dying at the same time are very, very low. So you write that down first and then you just continue that list until it's okay i might have to pay some money or i might get a ccj against my name whatever it is and you keep writing it but you're already at number seven or eight by now and you've started to see the gratitude that you haven't died your partner hasn't died you know your dog's okay and slowly it'll start to calm you down it's especially write it down as well that, that's quite therapeutic and like my therapist have shown me that as well and then when you write that down in the next column maybe when you feel a bit better is just write a solution what could I do to stop myself from dying? Just, just stay indoors and, you know, don't run into traffic, for example. What can I do if I'm avoiding the CCJ? Let's get legal advice. So that really helps break it down. But I understand that in that moment, sometimes thinking clearly is like the last thing that we're doing. No, I mean, <laughs> I know. And just to put it out there for everybody, the, the bridging lender didn't end up suing me because Good. we ended up going back. To, this was years ago, um, but just so that people aren't now afraid that the bridging lenders are going to sue them. The the story was on the day we were going to exchange, the bridging lender couldn't figure out the completion statement. We had three separate completion statements within four hours. It ended mm. up being that they wanted me to put in an extra ten thousand pounds couldn't find that within the four hours so we ended up having to pull out it was just one of those terrible wow. deals and they tried to sue me for the cost to them of them jumping through all the hoops and me not paying them and we ended up counter suing and saying look you absolutely messed us around for the four hours before we were meant to exchange we ended up settling with us paying them £400 worth of costs, but that was that. Good. So just Good. so everybody Thank knows gosh. that that just doesn't happen as a normal thing. <laughs> Absolutely. A, it was a terrible deal. Wow. And mm. and it, it honestly, I can't believe that it ended that way, but it did. Yeah. So just, just, just so that people <laughs> yes. now aren't in, in the fear of like bridging and suing them for nothing, that's what happened. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> so anxiety is crippling. I've been bowled over it bowled over by it on 
numerous occasions and I have to manage it daily. It's something that I suffer with very badly, although I must admit, now that I've got into my 30s, things are a lot better. Um, how have you come to talk about it so openly? Because I can't explain, I'm very terrible at explaining how things like that happen to me, mainly because of the um, the guilt that I feel around the feelings that go around my head when I know that mm. that shouldn't be something that I'm feeling, but it does. So how do you use that as a strength rather than a weakness? Yeah, so when I, when I first recognised that I had something wrong with me and I use that in speech marks because it's not something wrong with you it's just that you're slightly different was when I actually had a panic attack um prior to that I just thought I was a shy person just quite introverted just different um I started to research like why did this happen mm -hmm. because I, I had this moment in my life and it, it was like with my wife but we weren't I don't think we were married at that time and I was just like I don't want that to happen again that was quite like embarrassing what I, what I went through so I started to research about it and, and I understood that it's not shyness and as I was researching it, I also recognized that it wasn't exclusive to just me. So we have this thing where we're going through something or we're feeling away and we think this is just my problem. Like I, there's something wrong with me or I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the weird one who's in this network group. Everyone else seems really confident and I'm the only one sweating or, or nervous. But actually, there's probably other people like you. So I went through like therapy. I had hypnotherapy and this, this lady was incredible. She really, really helped me um, understand who I was. So as a result of that, I started speaking to my friends about it, my, my family about it. I opened up on my social media. So I used to do a lot of health and fitness stuff. And I just mentioned randomly, like I've seen a hypnotherapist and, you know, I feel great from it. Instantly then people related to that. And they, they were like complimenting me and saying, wow, that's really brave of you saying that. And I was like, all right, okay. Like I didn't do it to be brave. I just, let, I'm, I'm quite open with like my social media. Like I'll be like disciplined one day, then I'll be absolutely drunk the next day. Like it, it's just me. I'm just completely who I am so that happened and I rec recognize the power of like sharing your vulnerability um, and that's kind of I suppose where I find your voice then because that is people like yourself who share their vulnerabilities and th the reason I do it is because I want someone listening on the other side to know that their problems aren't exclusive to them mm -hmm. and then if one person can overcome it then, then so can they as well so I learned a lot from that process and in terms of weakness like just going back to your question I learned that it's not a weakness to ask for ask for help and especially as a man i think you know we are supposed to be the strong providers and i've just told you you know i cry watching x factor sometimes but i can still be strong if i need to hold it together as well and i always reframe that so if anyone ever uses that word reframe that into courage because courage can only ever exist in the um courage can't exist sorry in the absence of fear right fear has to be there for you to be courageous if you're looking at someone and thinking wow they've got it all together if they're not scared of doing it that's just okay. That's just something they're good at. Whereas like for me, like saying a few words on stage is like the scariest thing in the world. So if I see someone do that, like myself, I'm like, actually, that's very courageous. Mm -hmm. So the ability to step outside of your norm and say to someone, I, I think I need help here. Can you help me? Or maybe just listen to me. I think it's courageous. So if we feel that courageous is a bold word, it makes you instantly feel like, yeah, I want to be courageous. I want to be like strong. Yeah. Um, so I definitely recommend that. And I've just been very fortunate to have such a good circle of friends around me. Like, one of my best friends who was episode one on find your voice. He's, he's he lives around the corner from me and um, he was affected with blindness and he used to speak to me about his problems. And when you see someone in, in a different light, especially like on social media, for example, if people see me as a positive person, when you see someone who's positive or strong, say, Aaron, I've had a really bad day. You can relate to that because you're like, mm. wow, you get bad days as well. And then instantly from there, we started another podcast just to make, our lives more hectic and add more hours to the work where we have like a local one in our community and it's about men's mental health called the black country blokes which is where we're from and all it is is four guys we sit there and we're just completely transparent and it's helped actually stop suicides like we've had teenagers reach out to us to like stop suicide which is like again i'm showing the power of share your story like share what's in your heart because you could save a life from that because there's four of us three of us have boxed previously so that's a bravado sport and some kids send strength in us admitting our weaknesses. Um, so I'm all for like people sharing their vulnerabilities and stories. But in terms of knowing it would come to what it is today, I had no idea. But knowing that now, I would say to everyone, you know, at any age, wherever you are in your life, just just share, just share your truth and don't feel ashamed by it. Don't hold guilt towards it. Don't see it as a weakness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a really important message and incredible that you've managed to do that with your podcast and people feel mm -hmm. so inspired by you 
Thank you. Mainstream advice is to focus on something and get good at it before you do anything else. Mm-hmm. You combine health and fitness with property. Now, I want to know from you, and you've got your podcasts, all yep. of these things. <laughs> how do you combine everything you do successfully? Wow. Um, so I was, I was very lucky that my health and fitness was on track mm-hmm. before I started property. In fact, I was probably a little bit better before I started property. So I had that benefit, but it was a value of mine. And I, I always ask people to be clear on their values. So my value is to live as long as I possibly can, hopefully forever, if we, if we find a way. Um, but also to make sure that I'm in a healthy spot to be able to look after my parents one day, or maybe if, if I could do what my cousin did for my uncle, as I mentioned at the start of the show. So it's always been about prioritizing that. I never got into property like most people get into property for money. It was it was that that situation changed me and I, I went into it. I think a lot of people get into property for money initially and then recognize that hmm, this is quite difficult and then they go through other, other venues. Not pointing at anyone. Um, but I'm just, as in, I'm, just, I'm just saying like for me, it was a little bit different. So I, I came in with a different value set because I, I would definitely encourage people like when you get into this game, it's lonely. Like you mentioned, you, you're going to be hit with adversity. You're going to be forced to build your resilience. You're going to have times where you're working so many hours. You don't actually have time to maybe look after your health, or at least that's what you're going to tell yourself. And the last thing you want to do is get successful, have a portfolio of X amount of properties and your health is out of check. Your blood pressure's through the roof. You've got cholesterol or your mental health isn't right. So I'd always kind of prioritize that. Um, so again, it's very easy for me to do the podcast and my health because that's close to me. Mm-hmm. I do the podcast because I hope that one person, just one person will listen to it in the world and they'll keep going for another day. So that, those two things are done. And then the property, I'll hold that word successful just on hold for now. Let's let's get these next few deals out of the way. And then, yeah, absolutely, that'll be successful as well. But that pays the bills. I know that I that's kind of like my, you know, four-hour work week, like Tim mm. Ferriss. That's my four hours of don't really enjoy it, but I need to do it in order to do the stuff that I love to do. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Because then you're starting to, it's almost, it's manifestation. Mm in the way that you're designing your life and you're bringing all of the pieces together. And when we design our lives, we have to do the good. We have to do the bad. We have to get over hurdles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way, you know, you just have to go through it. Absolutely. I agree. We would all love to be the people who like picked up, dropped over the other side and gone, Oh, we didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. off as an introvert but have trained yourself to become more extroverted through repeatedly moving the needle why was that important for you and what were the starting steps you took and actually I have one more addition to that do you Mm -hmm. think that there really is a definition of you're definitely an introvert and you're definitely an extrovert um I'll answer the last question first um that's probably the easiest one I think it's like a spectrum Mm. so I think and I also think it's on your mood as well like some days I feel like, yeah, I I can do this. I can speak to a lot of people and I can handle people and I get a lot of energy. But most days I get most of my energy by myself um, as opposed to being in large groups of people. So I think it's a spectrum. And also alcohol as well. You give me alcohol, I can be anywhere along that spectrum that you want me to be. So that's that's my answer to that. But um, in terms of like starting as an introvert, again, it was a self-awareness thing. I had to understand who I was. Um, I'm still an introvert, like more on that spectrum if you just use that analogy. But I, I recognize that in order to achieve what I want to achieve, I have to do things that are going to make me uncomfortable. So I had to start getting used to being comfortable whilst being uncomfortable effectively. And um, that even meant like meetings. I mean, having meetings and network meetings was like so scary initially. So I'd always say if there's anyone similar to myself who maybe suffers with anxiety or introvertedness, you don't have to go to like the network meetings and have that fear of missing out. You can just meet every single person individually and have a deep meaningful conversation which is what I prefer and that's how I, I get on with people but one of the things I definitely recommend to people is Toastmasters I um, attended Toastmasters uh, last year sometime because I was like okay I need to do more I don't want to be that shy person all the time that needs alcohol every time we go out for like a network event and when I went to Toastmasters initially full transparency I was probably the worst person they've ever seen in terms of I'd stand up and I'd just look at everyone and I'd be like, sorry, I can't, I, I can't speak. And I'd, I'd have to walk off to the point that I started writing my own stories for the speeches. And because I love storytelling and I do that like through animation and stuff, um, I started telling my stories and they're so much easier to say 
that I started winning awards, which was like incredible. I was like, how, how did I, from the person who was choking, win awards? But it boosted my confidence. And then as that boosted my confidence, it allowed me to then get out there more, speak with investors, speak with property people, network with the power teams and stuff. And I knew that was important because I had to surround myself in property with the best people because I don't know everything. I'm a project manager by trade with my degree, but I don't know anything else. If you want to talk technical technicalities, I haven't got a clue. So I just now find the right people, surround those around me, make sure we're all aligned in our values and stuff. And they know me. So when they go for their big meetings and stuff, I, I won't turn up. I'll just happily do a Zoom call or something. And it's just about recognizing yourself and yeah. making that work for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I, yeah. I say to a lot of people that I'm not good in net, at networking. I'm really mm. good. Like us having a conversation now, yeah. I love. Like this is fantastic. Yeah. Doing podcasts, brilliant. Going to see in people on maybe like even three people, I'm fine. Get me in a big room where I'm on my own and I have to go in there and start making conversation. And I really have to talk myself mm. into it. But I, but the weirdest thing is that I've learned to stand on stage and speak. So I don't mind speaking because I've, the worst that ever could happen happened to me. And then it wasn't that bad. Like, yeah. So it really depends. But yeah, mm. I, I'm not good in, at networking actually being in a, yeah, in a yeah. room just walking in on your own and being like give me the wine <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that that's me that's me in a nutshell but 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 i love that though that, that the fact that even like speaking on stage for yourself i think it'd be reassuring for listeners to know that you you've, you've accomplished that even though you don't necessarily feel like that's something that you're naturally good at which i think is amazing and i always say like expose yourself to stuff if i never exposed myself to this mic I wouldn't have been able to reach thousands and thousands of people across the world. So exposure. And even if it does make you uncomfortable, slowly it does get better. I'm, I'm thinking I'm a hundred episodes in now and I don't get as nervous. I used to be so nervous. And the thing is, it was my show. So I could say what I wanted. I could literally yeah. turn it off <laughs> if I wanted to. And I used to be so like, what if I say uh, wrong? Or what if I, if I hold the pause too long? Like I would overthink stuff. Um, but it always gets better with anything you do the more you do it providing like you reflect on it you'll always get better yeah and it's just being comfortable in your own skin and and actually thinking do you know what I actually haven't done it that bad like Mm. the reason I got good at public speaking is because the biggest thing that I was always scared about was when I did when I became a chartered surveyor was going into my assessment of professional competence which is that exam Mm -hmm. and you have to give uh, you have to give an a interview and they question you and they grill you. That was my worst fear. And the first time I went in there and did it, I was in such a bad mental headspace mm-hmm. that within half an hour, I'd stopped and I was crying. And this is in a professional set- setting yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'd lost the plot, plot like lost wow. the plot. And they, they were there going, uh can you answer this question? Can you answer this question? And I felt like they were attacking me. And at the end, I just got up and walked out. And I was at the park in Heathrow, mm-hmm. couldn't even find my way home. And that happened. And then I was like, okay, well, I survived. And from that, that experience, I was like, well, it's never going to be that bad again. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's never gonna, yeah. it can't get it, ma- it makes sense absolutely once you've lived it and you recognize even like with your bridging thing it was only 400 pounds in the grand scheme of things yeah like that that was all it was and like yeah our minds are crazy in terms of they just over exaggerate stuff like to a whole yeah. new level and if you could kind of contain that we'd, we'd be winning all the time yeah it is madness and i think about 18 months ago i was at an, at an event and I was sat down, I was put on a table because I had to do some, I was thinking I was writing some professional guidance or something. And a guy came and sat down next to me, opened up a magazine, put my picture in front of me. And he said, can you imagine that girl who cried through her APC suddenly becoming this? And I looked at him and I was like, oh, you were one of the examiners from the first time round. It's wow. like that was the most embarrassing moment of my life and he said look what you became i love that um so things come around but it's these learning moments where Absolutely. actually i thought those three examiners as, as well if they came across me would just think i was an idiot like mm. just not worth my weight in gold and to have that happen just re-solidified everything and Absolutely. that was my teachable moment i love that but i love that and that those thoughts were just in your head 
like they never thought that about you they they probably sympathize with you or, or felt compassion but you're thinking oh my god I'm looking really stupid right now yes. <laughs> and it lives with you and the longer it lives with you for the worse yeah. it gets right exactly absolutely <laughs> absolutely sadness how these things I feel work. your pain <laughs> have you ever been in a situation like that as a teacher loads of, absolutely I'm always in like in in that moment I'm so embarrassed by like what I've become but actually it's become my best moment like some of my stories I, I've shared have actually gone on to create the best and most proudest moments of my life so when I speak about crying for example uh, I've done it and when I actually I'll quickly tell you stories apologies yeah. for going up on a rant but I, I told a story that I cried and all my brother's friends they're nine years younger than me and they used to see me when I used to box so for them I was like the older brother who used to box he was like physical aggression kind of sport when they listen to my podcast which i had no idea they listened to my podcast because half my family don't listen to my podcast um we, we were drinking one day and um one of his friends said that the conversations changed so they used to be, uh, meet up every weekend for drinks and those drinks you talk about girls cars and money right whereas mm. after hearing my conversation what they now do is when they first meet on a saturday is how are you doing or how's your week been or have you been struggling so without me recognizing it that the moment of that I was embarrassed about I actually changed a conversation for a, a generation younger than me and because my brother's part of that it honestly beats any property deal it beats anything I've ever accomplished in my life because I'm like wow like so like even you in that moment like you think it's embarrassing but it's not like you just sharing that story now but there's people who look at you and think wow this woman's amazing she does real estate she's in New Jersey she's doing x y and z but she just showed a vulnerability there. And this is what we were saying at the beginning of the show, mm -hmm. the strength in that. Like, I love that. That's that's more exciting to me than your new Jersey deal. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you being like completely transparent there. I love that. Because it shows that we're people. Yes. And we're yes. having this conversation and you and I are I getting it. to know each other on this podcast. Yeah. But also when we then come to meet in person, exactly. like we've, we've already got that. that I won't need wine. <laughs> <laughs> but we should have wine. Well, we should definitely have wine. <laughs> <laughs> there's always an excuse, there's always an excuse. absolutely absolutely <laughs> okay, okay so you coach people on how to elevate their personal brands can you define a personal brand and why it's important for property investors yeah sure so um in terms of like personal brand for me it's how you make somebody feel i think it's really important that when you leave somebody or they think about you they have a certain feeling whether it's warmth or trust or something um i think it's a lot more than the color of your like your hair or your logo or your actual logo itself and i always use the example so the three people i've probably followed the most is tom billu eric thomas and gary v and when i think of those people i don't think of a color or a logo i think of values like integrity honesty transparency so that's something that i hope across all of my mediums whether it's find your voice whether it's property or fitness that people see within myself is definitely what's helped me in like raising finance. So if you look at my feed and for the last eight years, it's like, I'll just talk about random stuff. Like I could even talk about football, which has nothing to do with like business or anything, but it's me as a person. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's really been like important for me. And it's the lesson I say to anyone out there. It's, it's the easiest thing to do and the hardest thing to do, which is to be yourself. And if you can just be yourself, because everyone wants to say they're honest, they're an they live with integrity, for example, but you have to show it. Like yeah. that is just so like important. For example, like, We've had times where like an investor needed paying through no fault of our own where we've sold our house and I'm like, I have to use this money now. So I've just literally got no house. And it's like when my investors see that, it gives them confidence that this is a person of, of integrity. And like, that's some of the, like, the adversity that we've had to go through in property. So yeah, personal brand, don't get too swayed by like it needs to look pretty and you need, you know, this fancy website. Just just be yourself because like this is more important, like human to human interaction. It's a people game. Yeah, yeah. I completely understand. What's the first step you should take to developing your personal brand? And what is the one consistent step you should be doing daily? Okay, so I'd say just before you start like doing anything, like communicating anything, is do an exercise. And it's like a three-part exercise. So it's like the first part is know who you are, right? And this could just be like understanding that maybe I'm a shy person or an extrovert, for example, or I'm not organized or I'm always late. It could be anything. Um, the, and then the second step is to know who you're not. So if you're not somebody who is confident and stuff, you need to understand what, what should I do in terms of building my brand? How do I get my name out there? And then the third part of that is communicating it. So, so in terms of being consistent, you need to communicate through your, through your own medium, however you see fit. So 
initially for me, it was writing long posts. So in like the big property groups, I used to just write posts. Mm-hmm. And then when I started to get a little bit more confident, I'd do like the odd video here and there. But generally speaking, like my medium is, I like to tell a story through any of my posts. Mm-hmm. So wh- whatever you find like is your niche or your comfort, just do that. I mean, now I do like video animations because like, people probably get bored of just seeing like text. So it's like, let's try and be creative. But like, be like yourself as much as you can in that, if that makes sense. But be there all the time, like be omnipresent. Like there is not really a day that I haven't posted something, whether it's my thoughts on Twitter or on Snapchat or something. And it's not necessarily to like always try and gain something that day. But when people look back, they almost get to know you a lot. So yeah. you've probably been doing this podcast and people will reach out to you and say, I feel like I know you. And it's really, it's really weird because you probably don't know that person, but they listen to your voice like on a daily basis and they're thinking, I like this person because she said this here, she shared a vulnerability here and I'm starting to get to know her. So that, that's what I'd say, transparency, consistency and just find your medium and get out there. Do you think you need to be on all social media platforms? I don't, but I think for me, it's become like a habit, like in terms of ROI. So if we're talking ROI from a business, I don't think you need everything. Like Twitter does nothing for me, but Twitter is where, if I'm pissed off watching a football game, I would just go on Twitter and have it all out. And Snapchat is more like friends and family where if we're drinking and we're at a party, that's something I'd do there. I probably wouldn't just put that on Facebook. Um, so yeah, I think use it for what it is. But if, if you're looking at it from like a business perspective, see where like your ROI is. For example, if you're writing posts on LinkedIn and then people are wanting to invest with you or source your deals or whatever they're doing, then maybe you need to spend more time there rather than doing dancing on TikTok, for example. But at the same time, like, Try and enjoy social media as well. Like, don't take it so seriously. Just the more you can like have fun with it, the more you can be yourself as well. Because yeah. we're all, we all want to be fun. Like none of us are that serious that we're always like, hey, it's all about figures and purchase prices and refurbs and stuff. Like nobody wants to hear that all the time. No, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. It can be completely like mind blowing, and I find that social media can be mind blowing. And I I talk about it time and time again how I batch create and we put it out there and I've got a team who helps me put it out there because I can't do everything we put out on my own I love having a team around me because it also gives me a bubble when I don't want to see it yeah I love that that's important to me because I can go down rabbit holes on social media I don't know about you but there is a dark side of social media that I can come (laughs) across very easily yeah I've been there (laughs) I've Uh, been there and I can also, I also get very angry at sometimes it's my, you know, when you see red because someone has just like put something out there and you're like, why on earth would you even be starting that conversation? Like, let's not deal Don't with get this. <laughs> that is a podcast for another day. That okay, we'll do that another day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you could give a property investor one skill that would help them flourish, what would it be? Um, in my experience, personally, I say learn how to do due diligence. And, and I mean that in terms of like, this is going to be the biggest investment of your life. Like, it's like a marriage effectively. And, and a house isn't cheap. Like, no houses are cheap. You still got to put money in there. So you need to do like due diligence as if like it's a dissertation, for example. And if you fail this dissertation, you're getting kicked out of the world. So like, there's no coming back. And really look into that person, doing all the things that we spoke about today. We're looking at companies' house, looking at what they say. Because a lot of people will say, hey, I've, I've got 100 properties, for example, I bought last year. And then it's like, okay, well, tell me about number 37 then. Ask them random questions. Like, if you're going to invest with someone or you're going to do deals, especially with people, you have the right to know everything about them. A bit like when you marry someone. Like, you don't just look at their Instagram feed and think, yeah, okay, I'll marry you. Like, you want to really get to know them. Or at least I hope you don't do that anyway. But really try and understand and make sure that what they say is what they do. Um, you know, and what they do is what they say. Um, but due diligence is key that's really something where I made a lot of mistakes I've made recent mistakes like three years down the line um, of trusting the wrong people and like you said about like the posts and stuff I see that from people who are, are putting the wool over people's eyes so I always say to people before you jump into this just take a step back do some research don't take everything on face value even myself like if I say something check it out like I have mm. nothing, nothing to hide. So check it out. Come, come to the site. Come have a look at what we're doing. And I always try and be transparent with that. And I think if somebody doesn't allow you to be fully transparent, then that, then that's something to be worried about. But if you can do that and then get the right people around you, you can really flourish. Like you've got a team there where you're able to come in and out of it. That's fantastic. And that's how I feel with property, where I raise the finance for the deals, and that's my speciality, raising finance. They build it. 
they project manage it so I don't have to worry about that and then I can do stuff like the podcast or stuff that I want to do mm-hmm. I completely agree with that on property as well I'm I'm the same I'm like an investor who loves their spreadsheets I love yeah. the finance <laughs> sides and I like looking at I don't need to see a property in fact I've never seen I've never been the first person to walk around a property that I've bought oh. ever and chances yeah. are I won't have seen it until I've bought the property yeah. and you don't need to you, <laughs> you the right don't people. need to no. exactly very true exactly. Final question. We are mm-hmm. dealing with a global pandemic with COVID-19. Do you see this as having any impact long term on people's mental health? And do you have any tips for surviving it? Yeah, I um, sadly, I do think it's going to have a, a bad effect. I think um, I just read two days ago, like domestic violence has gone up massively. Um, I used to be a social worker and I used to work with the elderly people. And I know loneliness and isolation is really, really bad as well. I think at some stages I was the only human interaction they ever had. And that's heartbreaking because some of us don't have families with us. So I worry for it because it's something we've been working on for like years in terms of like not just podcasting, but working with organizations to to help mental health. And I felt like we were getting a bit of traction, taking down some of the stigma behind it. And now because of this COVID that's come in, it's forced people to almost be isolated in conditions that nobody really wants to be in. So yeah, I, I do fear for it. I think, in terms of tips and stuff, there is stuff out there. Like, there's so many organisations out there. Like, a simple Google, the Samaritans, like whatever it is, reach out. Look within your circle. Reach out to people. There's um another another thing that we all say, and I say this as well is, if you need me, I'm at the end of a phone call. Well, when somebody's going through something, the chances of them picking up the phone to call you isn't going to happen. So actually, if you have that mental clarity and you feel like you're in a good place right now reach out to your loved ones and like really look after each other because that's like the most important thing. So I do, I do worry. And that, that, like I said, before we started recording this, that's way more important to me than like completing this project. If it goes over and we've got to pay our investor another couple of grand, so be it because I'd rather people just come out and humanity wins at the end of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's all we can hope for with this. Absolutely. Aaron, this has been an amazing conversation. <laughs> again Uh, for everybody listening please go and follow Aaron on the find your voice podcast I'm going to put more links in the show notes below so that you can keep up to date with what Aaron's doing it's been an awesome awesome conversation thank you everybody for listening if you've liked this please make sure that you rate and review because that helps more people find this podcast thank you for listening today I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon